0: In order to have that energy, your biology has to be working, but also you have to have a mission. You have to have a reason for doing it because if the reason to do it is to make money or for the ego of having power or fame or something like that, you will just get exhausted and you will hate your life. That's not why I do what I do. I have no need or desire to be famous. I just don't want people to go through all the crap that I went through. No one said all of this stuff when I was 20 in a way that I could find it or in a way that I could see And I thought maybe if I do that, it'll
1: help a few people. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science, we can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, And improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I had done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshua.sportac.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. If you're like me, you've heard of Bulletproof Coffee. I don't drink coffee, so I didn't really think much of it. Not drinking coffee since I've heard about it so much. Actually, I heard a lot about people losing weight with it, people saying they have lots of energy with it. Still, I figured it must be some guy who's really good at internet marketing behind it. I'd heard Dave Asprey's name, but didn't really think much about it. But when I heard that he was speaking at the coworking space where I was hosting one of my famous no packaging vegetable stew dinner slash sustainability events, I decided I'd go to learn more. I was surprised at what I found first, I'd been to several events at the place and it was packed. Like I'd never seen it packed before. Second, everyone there was wrapped with attention. They were really hanging on his every word. And third, he wasn't trying to do anything special. He wasn't putting on a show or entertaining people. He was just simply sharing, well, from his book and from his life and from the things that he did. Now he does things like nootropics, which is uh, supplements. Look him up to find out what he does. I was really there for the leadership aspect. Fourth, a lot of people stayed for a long time. After he finished speaking, then he went and people could buy the book and be photographed with him. And then after that, I think people were staying for a good hour after that. I mean, I left before then. And so when I was there, people were still there. Having come not really knowing what to expect, but seeing the rapt attention, the full room that people staying so long, I thought there's a lot of people out there who call themselves leaders or that we call leaders, politicians say, that don't really have many followers. Maybe they use authority. I wouldn't really call them so much leaders, even though other people do. There are other people who lead pretty effectively. They kind of get the job done. Dave Asprey, on the other hand, his followers would take medicines that were untested. He would do things and people would follow, ingesting things into their bodies. Whatever their reasons are, they're doing it because they want to. And I saw great leadership there. And I was very interested in learning more. That's leadership at another level than most of what we see out there. So hustler that I am, I spoke to a bunch of people there who were organizers and got to meet them. Got to meet him. They got me advance notice of his book. If you look at my ink column, you'll see that I reviewed his book there and talked a little bit about what I just said now. So this interview that you're about to hear was actually an interview for me to interview him about his book and about his leadership style for Inc., but I found it so relevant to leadership that I wanted to make it available to everybody here. So this is me and Dave Asprey talking about leadership and his leadership style, him not knowing that I would one day come back to him and say, would you mind if I post this on my podcast because I think it's valuable for people who are interested in leadership. So here's me and Dave Asprey.
2: What I write about is uh, leadership, and I try to make leadership, I try to make it more available to people to enable them to improve their leadership. And I feel like a lot of people cover you about like experimenting with stuff, but I, I saw leadership there. And if it's okay with you, that's what I'd like to ask you about.
0: I would be very happy to talk about that.
2: Okay. And as I was reading the book, there are a bunch of names of people that I've I've worked with and talked to, like Neil Strauss and Mike Koenigs, Joe Polish, Tim Ferriss. So I spent two weeks with Neil in North Korea. Oh, wow. So I was, it was kind of cool to keep a running tally of, of mutual friends. Anyway, what I noticed is that on a scale of leadership, there are some leaders who are just ineffective. They maybe they have authority, and people might call them leaders, but they're not really – I think a lot of them are not leaders, and so, some are effective, and they'll get loyalty, they'll get followership. But rarely do you see, not just like for you to have a room full of rapt attention, but you're getting them, you're leading them in a process of, of experimenting on themselves, like ingesting things into their body, doing things that are experimental. That's leadership, to me, on a whole other level, and is it just, I don't know if this is a simple question to answer, but is this something that you've intended to achieve? Do you know how you've achieved it? Is it something that you can share how you've achieved that?
0: I think I know how I achieved that. And this is something that doesn't it doesn't make it into the internet marketing world of, of things. It's that if you want people to really follow you and engage, it's not about metrics. And it's not about having a bot or something like that. It's about actually getting on an airplane (laughs) and flying to New York and standing in front of a room of people and showing up authentically, having something new and of value to the audience to say, and then doing it again and again and again. And I have, I mean, I, I travel 150 days a year. I have since the founding of the company and there is no substitute for FaceTime. And if if you want to connect with a community, you want to create a new community around biohacking uh, the way that I did, you have to be very conscious of the way you show up. And I do the Bulletproof Conference. uh, That's now the biohacking conference. We'll have our sixth one this year. I think last year I probably hugged every single one of the 2,500 or so attendees. And you saw me in the assemblage, right? (laughs) you got to be there. you got to be real. And you have to have the energy to do that. And in order to have that energy, your biology has to be working. But also you have to have a mission. You have to have a reason for doing it because if the reason to do it is to make money or for the ego of having power or fame or something like that, you will just get exhausted and you will hate your life. And that's not why I do what I do. I have no need or desire to be famous. I just don't want people to go through all the crap that I went through. No one said all of this stuff when I was 20 in a way that I could find it or in a way that I could see and I thought maybe if I do that, it'll help a few people. And it helps more than a few people. But that's what motivates me is that I think we're wired to be nice to each other. But it doesn't work if all this other stuff is in the way. So how do we go about removing the other stuff and giving people the tools? Because I like it better when the people around me feel good. <laughs> so, it's the authenticity and the integrity and always speaking the truth and not, uh, not you know, dumping on, on other people, and not playing the science troll game. Uh, a lot of online people make that mistake too. They, they say, oh, I'm going to play the take on strategy. I'm going to polarize people. I'm going to create an enemy uh, so I can have a tribe. It all works, but, you know, you got to look at the world you're creating when you do that. It, it, it doesn't mm. actually work as well as you think it might, even if you get the follow.
2: Uh, sounds like It sounds like when you do it, it's it's there's a fun to it. There's a couple questions that can up when you answer that. One was... Could you always do this, or did you learn to do it? The other is, I mean, all that flying, all that hugging, the, require, the that energy, I, I felt like you hinted at where it came from. And I'm curious sure. if there's something deeper than just, you know, you want to make available what wasn't available for you in, the, in your 20s. So could you always do this, or is it something you learned?
0: I used to have Asperger's syndrome. I was a computer engineer from Silicon Valley. I yeah, that's was what super I was, angry. Yeah. I wouldn't make eye contact with people. Uh, I, I used to have uh, like OCD and ODD, oppositional defiant disorder. I might still have some of that, but in a good way. And, <laughs> as, as in, I don't do dumb things, uh, I oppose them. Uh, but so, no, I couldn't do this. I didn't have leadership skills. Uh, in fact, I, I would say I lacked leadership skills. What made the difference for me is I identified early in my career in Silicon Valley that I didn't have the skills. I didn't recognize that I was pretty much anxious and uh, and angry all the time uh, because that was my normal state. <laughs> and I started studying how business interactions worked, how deals were done. I got mentors in the companies where I worked. Uh, and I studied kind of like an anthropologist because I had the Asperger's brain going on back then because I hadn't fixed my biology yet. Uh, So I'd go to business networking meetings and just watch how people interacted the way like a cultural anthropologist would look at things until I could understand it and do it. Then I said, I don't know how to do this. So I became a teacher for the University of California. And within a year or two, I ran the program to teach working engineers how to build the modern Internet. I did that for five years, four nights a week, three hours a night. And... I became very good at leading a classroom full of people. And I signed up at work and I said, hey, let me be the guy to give the speeches when no one wants to. And soon I was giving keynote presentations. I don't remember the first keynote I gave because I was too afraid. That was probably <laughs> around 1995, 96. Uh, I was working for 3Com in Silicon that, that's Valley. That's
2: not the one you were micro I guess. <laughs>
0: uh, no, no, that was many years later. But it was a focused effort to build the ability to do that. And soon I became in charge of global evangelism for a big company where you had to know what you were talking about in so much depth. So anything that you say is true and any question from the audience, you can handle it on your feet. And you can handle a question from a wall street banker saying, here's why you're going to go out of business. You can handle a question from an angry customer or from uh, an engineer trying to prove his worth or her worth by discrediting you on stage and to be able to handle it and be cool. And not just act cool, but actually be cool. And is that inner peace So that's what made it easier for me, and that all came about from neurofeedback, personal development, meditating in Tibet, the 40 years of Zen stuff, and that's why I have so much energy because I managed my Mm -hmm. mitochondria with the bulletproof stuff and because I got rid of all the internal friction that used to slow me down. So what I'm doing is relatively effortless in that it gives me joy. It gives me energy. I can make energy from food and air better than most humans, uh, and I know what I'm doing, and every time I succeed – Probably someone's life is better, so that's a that's a much easier job than standing up and forcing yourself to do it. If that, that
2: makes sense, Yeah, I'm hearing that it, you may be burning a lot of calories, but you're prepared to do it. You know how to do it. And it's coming the energy to do it, not the calorie energy, but the mental energy and the body energy. Is that's it's coming from inside, and so it sustains you. That, if I read
0: you right, that comes from that comes from love, nowhere else.
2: <laughs> it love for. That's a a powerful word. And, I mean, you talked about gratitude and how helping others is trick flow states. And is it love for others? It's love for people. It's nature.
0: It's love for people. It's love for the world we live in. Uh, It's it's love for humanity. I I truly, I fundamentally believe we're wired. In fact, I I can tell you where the wiring comes from based on mitochondrial network decision making. (laughs) We're fundamentally wired to be kind to each other and to be supportive of each other. If other conditions are met and I am actively doing everything I know how to do to build a world where those conditions are met so that we can express our natural kindness to each other and build communities and do good things that both support the planet and each other. This is the fastest and most powerful way I know to do it. And if I find a faster way, I'll do that, too.
2: Yeah, it feels like that's a big thing. Yeah. And that is a big thing that like, if you can find a faster way, if you can save 10 minutes, save 10 minutes. Why wouldn't you? (laughs) Exactly.
1: Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodakcom slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values.
2: You didn't say this, but I think I, I heard... You didn't have any advantage that anyone else didn't. I mean, you started overweight and socially not so attuned, and anyone could do what you did, I think.
0: Is if, that right? If I could do this biologically, I came at the worst possible beginnings. I had like every bad thing, not, maybe not everyone, but, but the long list of things that happen to most people when they're 70 hit me before I was 30. So if I can be at 9.6% body fat, which is what my scale told me this morning, uh, and the amount of energy I have with my six hours and five minutes of sleep, I'm pretty sure that if you didn't have autoimmunity and obesity and all those other things when you were young, that you probably would be ahead of me if you were doing the stuff that I was doing now. And that said, I'm pretty smart. <laughs> At least I like to think so. I come from a family of engineers. So uh, my IQ was already pretty good, and I did do things that raised my IQ. So I have some smarts in there that help me do it. Uh, but the energy and the biological performance, those things, uh, those are from biohacking.
2: So that's, not, yeah, that's something I want to bring to people. Is, this is just me on a personal note. That I, The bigger the person who achieves stuff, the more that they say this stuff is available to everyone else. And I, I'm trying to bring that to people, so I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. The book is is very – it's both comprehensive and very detailed. And so while I was reading I was thinking, is this for someone to jumpstart something in the short term? Is it for them to, is it like a, a multiple year project or is it a lifetime thing? Because I tend to think it's more lifetime, but then that some stuff is like cutting edge research, which may be reversed or, you know, these things change in time. So I'm not sure who's the, how do you envision people using the book?
0: Well, most people want to be better at whatever it is that they care about. And most people, at any time in life, but quite often when you're younger, you have these, these lofty visions of what you could do, what what life could be like, what you really want to do, what your dream is, what's on your bucket list. But I want help doing this. I don't know what to do. So I'm going to maybe go look at what one successful person did, and I'm going to copy that. And you do it, and you don't get results, and then you feel like a failure. But, and I've certainly done that lots of times. I can't tell you how many probably three years I wasted on the getting things done methodology where you have to have an an empty inbox or you feel insecure about yourself. That's a bad idea. So I did that because it worked for a successful person. And now with this book, what I do in all these books, if I want to know something really well, I either teach it or I write a book about it. Uh, Those are the only only ways to crystallize that knowledge in my head so I can talk about it in, in as much detail as I want. So I want to be better at everything I do. That's why I've asked 500 experts how to be better at everything they do. And instead of trying to do all 500 of them would do, which would make your head explode, I analyzed the data and I created an order of operations. So the deal is, you may read Game Changers and go, you know what? I get it. These two laws resonate with me. I'm going to do those first, and that may be all you want. Right? Or you may say, I'm going to read it now, and I'm going to read it again later. But the idea is, if you do. Something from each of the big three categories, smarter, faster, happier, it is going to provide you with a meaningful improvement in, in how you perform. And all that extra energy is free. And then you can use that energy to do another law if you want to. And some laws, you're like, that one's not for me. Wait, that, That's awesome. But that's why there's a choice. At the end of every law, there's a little worksheet where you can literally in 30 seconds say, I'm going to answer this. So when you answer it, if it really makes you pause and think, you're, you know what? There's merit in this rule for my life. And you may say it doesn't apply. So I'm hoping people go through there and find just a couple things that are radically transformative for them for where they are right now. And, of course, they're going to come back and they're going to you know, look at law number three uh, where you know, I'm talking about conversations with Jack Canfield. And it's about the words you matter uh, and how to choose those. That is a daily practice that I practice with my kids and I'll practice daily for the rest of my life. Uh, And hearing it not just from me but from luminaries in the field, maybe every single day from now on a person who reads that book is going to stop saying can't and need and all these other words that are lies to themselves that inhibit their ability to think about the world and to perform at their level. And maybe they'll believe it because they heard it from people who are at least as credible as I am, if not more. So that law, that might stick with you forever. You don't have to do anything but just change how you think. Others, you go out and you do a specific thing. Like I've decided I want to get outside my head for the first time in my life. I'm going to you know, go on a vision quest. I'm going to go do Vipassana. I'm going to go to Burning Man. It's a one-time thing. You check it off. I did that. Or I'm going to try smart drugs for the first time. I'm going to pay attention to what I eat. I never thought about what I eat as whether it makes me a good human being or not. But since half these people, half these people in the book said that food mattered a lot for how they perform, maybe now I have the motivation uh, to you know, not eat the potato chips, and to choose something that's a better choice. That's the idea here. It'll change your thinking, even if you don't do what's in it. So much I want to follow up on what you just said.
2: There's, uh, I first have to mention, I was emailing someone not half an hour ago, and they were, I have a podcast, and they were uh, asking. There was someone, a PR person, promoting someone, and it, it wasn't a good fit, and I started writing them. I can't do it. And I, I went back and erased it. <laughs> having just read your book. And I didn't. I, I didn't mince words. I said, "Look, it doesn't fit with what I do." I didn't say I don't want to do it, but I kind of. I didn't say I can't. I took that out. And uh, did it feel different? Yeah, it's more honest. I, I was thinking about the word weasel. <laughs> I mean, I've already. I mean, in my book, I talk. I give people an exercise not to use words: good, bad, right, and wrong. So bad was already one that yeah. I, I've mostly avoided, but also good, right, wrong judgment words. And uh, I've done vipassana a couple ten days and. I actually started looking up, I don't know how to pronounce them, pyrosam and modafinil. And so I started looking them up. I don't think I'm going to get them yet. Yeah. But uh, I'm. But you're
0: thinking about it.
2: Yeah, it, it reminds me that I have friends who biohack who told me about them, and I just kind of didn't think about it for a long time. I was with a friend a couple of weeks ago who was, um, he had a Juul, a J-U-U-L. And I was like, oh, I remember him talking about nicotine. And he, was, he wasn't saying this is the best way to get it, but maybe I should try it
0: and just gotta think about these things. I, I feel it's, like you've heard the of the thinking continent. that you're doing now. It, you, you nailed it. Uh, exactly. It, it, if it makes you just think a little bit more, is there a different way to do what I'm doing now that's going to get me more? That would be the ultimate win for this book. Uh, and it, it's already having a, a few of its intended effects on you.
2: <laughs> uh, one last question. Uh, I, I mean, I'm happy to keep going, but I, I think we're over time already, but uh, yeah, we are. Game Changers, at first I thought Game Changers meant it was a a reference to things to do, but then I saw the stories and I think Game Changers is about, I think it's probably about both. But does Game Changers refer to people? Does it refer to things you can do to change your game? Both or more?
0: You, You nailed it the first time. It's about both. The people who I've interviewed on the show are in, are consciously people who change the game in their field. The people have done noteworthy things, so they are game changers. But the advice that came out of this, all those laws, those are game changers for you. And you'll find in most of the things I write and talk about, the underlying theme is what's in it for you. <laughs> and so most people are going to interpret this, these are game changers for me, but I hope when they turn the pages, they'll recognize that when they hear guys like, you know, Bill Harris, and Ariana Huffington and Bill Sears and you know just all these these people who've done big things. Like wait a minute, I'm not just getting advice from Dave. This is distilled advice from lots of people who've done stuff that's worth paying attention to. So it's both.
2: Glad to hear. I, I'd love to keep going, and uh, if there's a time to reschedule it for a longer conversation, I'd be happy to. But uh, I want to respect your time and let you go. Uh,
0: thank you so much. Um, I'd be happy to answer some questions by email too, if that's uh, if that's going to get a piece out faster.
2: I'll follow up how we can, and then hopefully see you again sometime soon, too.
0: Perfect. Looking forward to it. Same
2: here.
0: Bye. Thanks.
1: Again, that conversation was from my ink article, so he was not trying to talk to the microphone. I hope to bring him back for another episode and talk to him about the environment and see if he's willing to commit to acting on some environmental value. But in the meantime, his method of sticking with his values and growing organically looks like a pretty good model to me. It's what I've tried to do and what I want to keep doing. He's passionate, and I saw that passion in the room at Assemblage. So I hope you picked up as much from him as I did. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com podcast And click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse. And living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it. But what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference, and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.